the Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Tim Hudak is here, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives. He's now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Mark Warner is an international trade lawyer. Mitzi Hunter is a former MPP and one-time mayoral candidate in the city of Toronto. Good morning to you all. And Mitzi, let me start with you. Today is the day that um, Olivia Chow is sworn in. Uh, What are your reflections on that? Well, good morning, John, and uh, well, my congratulations to the new mayor of Toronto. This is a historic day, no matter how you look at it. Uh, Olivia will be the first uh, person of Chinese background to be the mayor of Toronto, and this is an important part of our diversity and our inclusion in our city. It's part of the journey of our city, and um, you know she's going to ride into City Hall today, so I, I do wish her well. And it just shows um, that our city is advancing and there's a lot resting on her her shoulders. And um, I know that she is well aware of that. Uh, Mark Warner, one friend of mine, presented me recently with a book called How Progressives Ruin Every City They Run. Um, There are a lot of people who are terrified of Olivia Chow. Are you part of that clique? Um, No, and yes, at the same time, because I have a very Hegelian perspective on this, Don. I think that uh, I don't think she'll be a very good mayor, but I think that that's important, though, that that people in Toronto get reminded uh, of what some of this looks like. I think, uh, you know, John Tory's mayoralty was what I used to call Miller Lite. And uh, essentially, I think it's better that people see the full thing and get rid of all the pilots and the fake back and forth. And I think people won't like it. And then we'll actually have a conversation, hopefully, of what the city needs as a real mayor. It's a little bit of short-term pain for long-term gain. So I wish her well, though. I do share what Mitzi said. I do think it's a it's part of the journey of the city for other reasons. But uh, I don't think she'll be very good at it. And so let's get it on and get it done with. Okay. Well, Tim Hudak, I would definitely extend my you know high hopes, I guess, to Olivia Chow. Because if she doesn't get it right, then we get another three years of whatever's wrong with this city. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let me first say uh, thanks and great to be on the panel with my colleague, Mitzi Hunter. I really appreciate Mitzi's work in the legislature as a cabinet minister and a colleague. And, you know, I was proud uh, of her putting her name forward for mayor. So, Mitzi, great to have you on the panel. Uh, and I, I want to wish Olivia Chow every success. I, I, I did not vote for her, but I admired her campaign. She was steady. She avoided uh, traps. And she tapped into, John, a, a change sentiment that most of the candidates did not see out there and one, you know, from pillar to post. I do worry, let me say this, I do worry that some of her policies may be backward looking that reflect the era from when she cut her teeth as a city councilor as an MP more than a decade ago. The housing policy, particularly, John, is badly outdated. It looks like early 1990s government run, government owned housing. That's not the approach we need on that critical issue. I hope that working with the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board will get her focus on continuing many of Mayor Tory's policies that are actually going to build housing people could afford and own. Meanwhile, the premier who's at a premier's conference was asked about this business of the uh, King's Council or KC. And actually, this is one of the few times where I say KC and I'm not talking about the uh, sunshine (laughs) ban. But here's the deal. Apparently, most of the people who got this KC designation, which was actually retired several decades ago, had very close ties to the government. Mark Warner, did you get a KC designation as as a lawyer? (laughs) 
I did not get one. I did go down the list. And, you know, it's funny. I've got to that stage of practice. Maybe Vitsi, you are, have two, where every time one of these lists or judicial lists comes out, I comb it to see how many people I know. And I know a fair number of people on there. Some I know from politics, but also some I know from my time in government working for the uh, Ministry of Attorney General. Uh, it, it obviously is a tool of patronage, but I will say there are a number of people on there who surprised me that they're on there, who I was quite happy to see get that. I mean, I, I liked it when it was abolished by Attorney General Ian Scott for everybody other than himself, <laughs> going backwards, but uh, back in the Peterson government. But uh, it's not something I think we need. But I think the list is always going to be a tool of patrons. I don't know. It seems off-brand for Doug Ford to me. And uh, so I think, you know, watching what, uh, if the Liberals do come back to power, I just, I, I think that uh, this will, I, they're going to rue the day that they did this because uh, I think they, they know how to be much more efficient at patronage than the Conservatives, it seems to me. Okay, Tim Hudak, everybody knows I like honorifics. I'm not going to grieve this particular thing. And let's face it, it's not like it comes with a money packet. I, I, I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm sad and, and, and disappointed. I, I think it's tremendously off-brand for, for Doug Ford and his government. This thing was dead and buried in the 1980s, for goodness sake. So why they try to resurrect it, it as all the bad images that conservatives could be accused of when they get sloppy. The cigars and cognac at the Albany Club and deciding whose buddy gets this honorific. I think it is a horrible path to go down for the government. It screams of cronyism and insiders. It, Man, look, this government's done a terrific job when it comes to getting things built, whether it's transit, it's highways, it's housing, it's hospitals. They, they've been about the people, giving average working folks a, a break, bringing in new jobs in the auto sector. Like, stick to your knitting. But, man, going down the path of access from the 1980s, holy cats, i got to slam the brakes on this. Wow, Mitzi Hunter, your thoughts? <laughs> well, I don't have much more to say <laughs> after uh, after the assessment here of Tim Hudak. I, I, I completely agree. I don't understand why this was resurrected. And it, um, the premier was clearly in a foul mood with his attorney general about it. And it, uh, was it part of his mandate letter? I guess not, because we haven't seen those. So I, I think that there are far more important things that the attorney general needs to do, like the landlord and tenant board. Let's fix that. Like I mean, both landlords and tenants are up in arms about that. Why is he spending time doing this? It just seems like a complete waste. Um, the raids have started apparently on dispensaries for magic mushrooms. There was one raid in Windsor, Ontario, another one in Montreal. And Mitzi Hunter, I'll start with you on this one. A lot of people are comparing this to the early days when people opened what were then illegal pot shops. And now, of course, there's one literally on every corner. Yeah, but you know, the science and the medical community have not um, kept kept up with this particular issue. So I think we're getting well ahead of ourselves um, by offering this type of consumption to the public without understanding what the broad-based effects and impacts are on the population. I, I think there's a real risk here. And I know there's, you know, some early um, indication that people in certain circumstances are receiving relief, uh, but, but it's not broad broadly um, proven scientifically. And I think that that's a risk to health. And as a result, we have to shut it down. It, we can't just, you know, open retail stores and we don't know what the health effects are. Okay. Tim Hudak, you're one of our more libertarian panelists. A lot of people would maintain it's not up to government to tell you what's good for you. Yeah, look, I, um, 
I've learned, John, as I hit uh, my uh, my middle age that I can be wrong. I can make mistakes. And I remember when um, there was the uh, legalization of, of marijuana and uh, the retail stores. I wouldn't public life was opposed to that policy. Not not vehemently. I wasn't you know crying out in the wilderness. I just didn't think it was time. And I was wrong. I think that policy has been broadly accepted. They can fix it. We've talked about the, the downsides of too many stores, a lack of brand identity and understanding the products. But it has been broadly accepted by Canadians who would not go back. I think we're on a similar path here. This is an area that I didn't try in my youth. I tried other things. Don't know much about it personally, but it just seems that's the path we're on. And I'm going to guess probably part of those stores within, let's go, two or three years' time. Okay, and Mark Warner, you know, I don't really care if somebody wants to use magic mushrooms so long as they're not flying my plane. Yeah, but I think this is a sort of, I, I sometimes feel that this country, which can be very boring, as this uh, come to this uh, stage where we try to find new ways to be out there and be and to get some sort of a check a box of how interesting and how novel and out there we can be and and we are ahead of the science of this i think mitzi is correct on this and it's just one more example of a slippery slope it seems to be and, and you know everyone always say i always go back to the the medical assistance in dying right just one of the worst supreme court decisions i've ever read in canada which isn't saying much where the Supreme Court literally said, there's no slippery slope. We're in Canada. And of course, all we've seen is basically a week later, people trying to off old people, mentally, uh, people with mental infirmities and children and that sort of thing. So uh, and that happened like right away. And this is the same thing. So when you don't think through the first policy on, on cannabis, this is what you get. And when you don't enforce rules, when we that led to sort of creation of things like Airbnb and Uber, we just sort of ignored the rules. Guess what? They grew to be very big. So... I think you've got to nip this in the bud, and hopefully we will, but it's going to be very hard. It's going to be very hard, it seems to be. We're at this cultural moment where Canada wants to be cool, and this is one way we'll try to do it, damn the consequences. Uh, Tim Hudak, this is kind of in your wheelhouse. This uh, story is told by Rosie DeMano in The Star of an 87-year-old woman, lifelong smoker, whose condo banned smoking, but you could keep smoking as long as it didn't bother anybody. And then, of course, this being a condo, it bothered somebody, so now they're trying to throw her out. Your thoughts? <laughs> That's true. I think the first rules of being in a condo is you got to complain about one of your neighbors. Um, you know, look, I'm going to take the side of the smoking cat lady uh, on this one. She was, grandfathered, she was grandfathered in. The condo board had set rules that those existing residents who smoked, as long as they were in their own you know, apartment or the balcony, were allowed uh, to, uh, to do so. I've always said that the worst form of government is school boards. I may put a little asterisk and say it's actually condo boards. Give the cat lady a break. Oh, yeah. Mitzi Hunter, I wrote, once wrote a column, actually, and the headline was, Everything I Hate About Confederation I Learned from My Condo Board. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, I understand that we want to give this individual uh, a pass because uh, she's a unique set of circumstances and she's been grandfathered in according to the current rules. You know, but smoke travels. And there's also, you know, the fire risk. I've I've seen many many of those as well. So I just I, I feel as if um, this issue is is one that we have to give her a pass because you know I, I just think she's just at a stage of life where she's she can't change and we got to keep her housed. But you know we can't we can't run away with this this particular issue. The condo boards uh, have to manage everyone's quality of life and livability. Thank you all. Good to have you this morning. Mark Warner, Tim Hudak, and Mitzi Hunter.
Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.